says live. It says live. Okay, guys. So sorry for the delay here. <laughs> Welcome to Free Trail Friday. Technical difficulties. But we are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Dominic Grossman. Dom, how are you this morning? This afternoon, I should say. Ah, oh, so wonderful. It's a wonderful spring day here in Wrightwood. I'm I'm stoked. Oh man, I'm all flustered after uh, dealing with the back end of Zoom here for the last 10 minutes. We apologize to our viewing audience here, but we are going to make sure we make up for it with uh, a great conversation. Of course, Dominic and I have been great friends for a long time. We came into the sports uh, roughly the same time, you know, what more than a dozen years ago at this point. And we're going to have a spirited and hopefully entertaining conversation about uh, Dominic's recent completion of the Coca Dona 250. We're going to talk about fatherhood. You guys may have seen that Harmony and I are going to be expecting our first child, a baby boy, in August of this year. So Dominic's going to give us some fatherhood lessons on today's live stream. And then we're going to close it down by talking about this current moment in trail running. Uh, we had a provocative tweet from brands <coughs> at Ultra Runner Podcast last week that sort of made the argument that the, the spark is dead in the sport of trail running. And Dominic and I are going to explore whether or not that's true. So stick around for this, uh, this fun conversation. Before we get to it, a big thank you to Aura, who is a main sponsor of all of our Free Trail Friday live streams. We've taken a couple of weeks off, which was much needed, but glad to be back with Dominic. Aura has been an awesome supporter of ours. If you guys don't know anything about Aura, this fantastic little ring here, I wear it 24-7, gives a great glimpse into your health, wellness, your sleep quality, lets you know sort of when you're ready to rev the engine, when you should probably take a couple days of recovery. It's a really fun tool. And uh, you can get six months free subscription with the purchase of the new Gen 3 ring by using the link in the description here in YouTube, or if you listen to this on podcast in the show notes. Also, for those who are into fantasy sports, Zagama is happening this weekend. And for those who are unfamiliar, it's a legendary mountain race in Spain. Uh, happening tomorrow, uh, including some of the world's best athletes. Mr. Killian Jornet is there, Courtney DeWalter, many, many others. Um, so go to fantasy.freetrail.com, pick five deep, come play with us for a chance to win some free trail merch and maybe some other prizes that we haven't quite figured out yet. Shout out to Travis Longcar, who's got our whole fantasy operation up and running. We have Broken Arrow coming up very soon where we're going to be doing the three races, the VK, the 52K and the 26K. So we'll recognize individual winners for those races and aggregate winners. So people who predict most accurately over the course of the entire weekend. Then we got Western States and then the full UTMB circuit after that. So come play Fantasy Free Trail with us, fantasy.freetrail.com. Okay, Dominic. Where do we begin? Who are you picking for Zagama this weekend? Have you made your fantasy picks yet? <laughs> oh, no. You know what's um, interesting is uh, I feel like I, I have this like this judgment. Uh, number one, never bet against Killian. It's just <laughs> yeah. like simple rule. Just don't bet against Killian. Unless it's UTMB, then you know it's a 50-50 chance there um, with his record. But then uh, Zagama, Killian is just phenomenal. Um, but Remy Bonet, I think he actually benefited. He had some um, issues during his uh, 
schema season. I think he's probably in amazing form right now. And I love watching Remy fly up those hills. He's like, you know, the 0.1 pound skeleton that just flies up hills <laughs> and, and he, and he kicks butt on downhills too. He is, he is not a, a clumsy downhiller. He at all, won so. Zagama a couple of years ago. It was one exactly. of the few people to win the race. That's not Killian Jornet on the men's side. I just had Killian on the podcast. I'm not sure if you've listened to it yet, but Killian's won Zagama nine times and he's going for his 10th victory. Already. <laughs> why would you bet against someone who's won it nine times? Yeah. Why? And you and I had a fun text exchange as we always do about Killian's uh, new footwear, which he revealed on the normal Instagram account this morning looked pretty cool. What'd you think about Killian's new footwear? Oh man. It's, it's, there was a time when he was doing things at Solomon that I was like, he's rubbing it in normal people's faces. <laughs> like he's wearing like a minimus shoe that like doesn't have any shoelaces, just a sock. Like no one can run well on that, but him. And <laughs> now it's like, Oh yeah, he's got, he's got, a, he's got a proper shoe. That's got some runnability to it. And um, some cushion, so you should be pretty lethal on that. Yeah, so it'll be fun to see. Uh, in the chat, Aaron Shimon says that Emily Forsberg just won the VK at at uh, Zagama. So shout out to Emily Forsberg and Dakota Jones is there, all repping the new normal stuff. So it'll be fun to see how they all perform, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how they debut this new product to the market. But anyway, let's talk about Cocodona, man, because you and I, you know, we always have fun, entertaining text exchanges. We've known each other for a long time, but I haven't gotten the full long-form debrief on what happened out there in the desert. So maybe first, just to set things up, explain what Cocodona is, just in case people aren't familiar, and and what put it on your radar is something that you wanted to tackle yourself. Yeah, so it's... um... You know, last year as we were coming out of COVID, they had the inaugural year. I watched it on YouTube. Um, they did amazing race coverage. I watched my friend Andy Pearson um, just get crushed there. He like made it to 135, and I was like, "Oh, we're doing this next year, bro. We're like, we're going. <laughs> we're doing this." And uh, I have like no great long form experience. Like I've done Badwater, and I did like when I started in 2010, like two years into it, I did like a, a self a self one person team Ragnar. I did 155 miles on roads and, but like 250 miles is like nothing else. Like, so this is like the, the magnitude of it, right? <clears throat> we get 20 miles into the race and we're like, cool. Like, cause we're doing a long race. You're like 20% done. It's like, no, no, not 20%, not even 10%, less than 10% done at 20 miles in. <laughs> and there was a, another runner, uh, Tony Russ, he, just, we'd only been running for like less than four hours. And he took a nap on the trail after four hours of running. Wow. It's because See, this of the is what I'm fascinated of- about is like the strategy around when do you sleep? When do you take rests? When do you change your shoes? Yeah, there was no strategy to four, four yeah. hours into the race. And we started at 10 AM. Yeah. So he didn't need a nap, but he like mentally, you know, needed a nap. Fascinating. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's like, it's, it's a mental, like just, Huge. it is much more mental for like the first day than anything else, because you just don't believe like it's going to happen. Like you just, you just feel like this is just, this is unimaginably long. Right. And, uh, it was, Unbelievable. <laughs> it was. so you spent some time with Timothy Olson, the Mirage out on the PCT last year. And you and I have spoken a lot together about just how impressive it was to have front row seats and bear witness in person to that performance. I'm wondering if Tim's effort 
maybe was something that inspired you to go tackle Cocodona yourself or anything from Tim's exhibition of endurance that you tried to apply towards your traverse across Arizona? Well, there's, there's two key things to know about long trail. If you ever get into it is, uh, number one, no coach really knows what they're doing. No one (laughs) who's even running it knows what they're doing. We are all like completely lost as far as strategy. Like this might work, might blow up in my face. You know, I don't know. We'll give it a shot. Um, and like even the, um, the guy that won, uh, Joe McConney, he's, he said like, you know, as far as coaching goes, there's a science to marathon. There is a little bit of a art to ultras and then 200s total black magic, black arts, like no <laughs> one, you know, wave a wand. No one knows what they're doing. Sure. Like, yeah. Um, and, and that was like, you know, watching, uh, Timmy, he is someone who is so unconventional, like. You know, I, I felt, I felt bad for Timmy. Like he, he had a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. He, he went through a lot, you know, to finish that, uh, PCT FKT, but, um, man, his coach, uh, Coop out there, like Coop was losing his mind every day. Cause in the morning, like Timmy was going like hiking at like 20 minutes a mile. And then by like early afternoon, late afternoon, he started to transition to like seven minutes a mile. So like Coop couldn't like talk to him and, and like talk any sense to him of like, Hey, let's be consistent. Hey, let's try this. Let's try that. Like he Timmy is just, sometimes like, he like, becomes possessed by the spirit. <laughs> oh no. Like daily. Yeah. He is possessed daily. I was with him for like four, three or four days. And it was like daily, just like whatever came to him. And, and he, and it was like total Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He'd be very like Zen and talk. And we just would talk about like his, um, you know, some of the, uh, the different people he fo- he follows in like the mindfulness community. Yeah. He just sounds so like peaceful and calm. And then you get these like deep animal growls late in the afternoon and he just like grunt and like, you know, throw down seven minute miles and, and just like roar. Like he like let out roars <laughs> and it was like, I have no clue who I'm running with at any given point. Like, so, and, and so like, I, I tried to be inspired by that, but I was also just like, you know, everyone's just an N of one yeah. in it because it's so far and so hard. And there's so many different strategies about when to sleep, when not like, you know, there are probably people that beat me that slept more than me. And there are probably people that lost to me that slept less than me. So, yeah. you know, yeah. So. Fascinating. So you've been in the sport for a long time, as I mentioned, we've both been in the sport for more than a dozen years at this point. We've both done a bunch of hundred milers. Like you said, you've done bad water. So you've gone past that hundred mile threshold. I still don't feel compelled to do the 200 plus mile races. What from your experience or yeah, what made this the right time for you to venture past the 200 mile mark? Um, you know, it's, it's a really great segue to that, like state of the sport thing. Um, which I don't want to get into too soon, but I think that a lot of your, your perception of the sport is dead. is predicate like probably like 70% of it is how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your running, your sense of accomplishment, your, your, you know, relatability, you know, your, your, um, you know, do people notice you at races or not? You know, mm-hmm. like, do, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Are you relevant? And, uh, I kind of in a little way, like started to feel like yeah, everyone's doing hundreds, everyone's doing 50 milers. Um, I'm not running bad anymore, uh, but I'm not running near the front as much as I like to. And, uh, I don't really know if I'm, you know, relevant as a hundred miler and I wanted to sort of like, just take on the next challenge. And I knew like odds were not great for me, just like 
I was going in with um, wife with a broken leg, kids that kept on giving me stomach bugs. Like I've never spent so much time in a bathroom or on the side of the trail um, as this like workup. So I like only averaged like maybe like 40 miles a week, which is insane. (laughs) I wouldn't even do a hundred mile or averaging 40 miles a week. And I was doing a 250 mile. Yeah. So I was like, you're usually, I mean, traditionally people who know you, you've done, you know, high mileage stuff during the course of your career. So, and you get credit for it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that credit, but it's, it was really like alarming, like staying on the start line. Like I, I actually had a stomach bug the day before for my kids. And I was like, you know, popping Pepto-Bismo uh, tablets in the race. Like, come on, just calm down stomach, just calm down. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think uh, if you, if you're wondering like if it's possible, it comes a lot more from the mental aspect of your, your personal strength mentally and that was one good thing going into it is that, um, I don't know, I had like, a, I had this, like this period of like several months of just going through like challenge after challenge, like, you know, our kids didn't go to school during COVID for 16 months. Um, you know, I worked from home. Like I was, I was pretty freaking stressed out for, I didn't even run a thousand miles in 2020 because I was working so hard, keeping the kids alive and take care of really Katie and working. You and didn't like, even run just... a thousand miles in 2020. No. Wow. Yeah. It was like, and I've never done that yeah. Like in my history of running. I've never ran less than like 1500 or 1400, like on a bad year when I'm injured. Okay. So keep going on this because yeah, I mean, people who know you well, like me know that it, things weren't great in the Grossman world leading into Cocodona, you've alluded to the fact that your wife, Katie, who's also a great runner, broke her leg and has been dealing with a really tough recovery from that. And especially after a tough recovery from, you know, the having the two kids too. So maybe talk about some of the other kind of adversity that was going on at home and like how that in, impacted the training block and how it impacted this, this lesson of that it's more mental than physical. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, Starting off, like, I don't know if there's been any, what I would call easy aspect of my life, um, past couple of years, like, so our, our work, you know, we were afraid we didn't know if we we're going to lose contracts or what happened with COVID. We actually had a layoff. And so I lost part of my team. Um, and then we had the great, you know, time of people quitting and moving on new jobs. So I ended up doing, I'm a super engineering supervisor. I ended up doing a lot more individual contributor work. And um, working like relatively long hours through COVID and even after COVID, just like not being able to hire up fast enough and having to, um, you know, we're kind of a magnet for R&D within um, the military. So we, we have like all this work to do and all this really cool stuff I'm really excited about, but just working, you know, lots of hours and being kind of burnt thin there. Uh, Katie had uh, abdominal surgery to remove a tumor in 2021 after she had Goldie. So she couldn't even like lift herself up or get up while she was trying to, you know, nurse Goldie after she was born. And so I like did, you know, all, all of the work basically other than the nursing. Um, and I like, um, you know, our, our daughter, um, older daughter, Lindy, you know, she was learning to ski and I didn't want to like let, you know, have her meet her new sister and not be, not like her because her new sister takes time away from her. So I I pretty much is like always either parenting or working, parenting or working, and then just sneaking in miles wherever I could. And, um, and then, yeah. And then I signed up for Cocodona at the start of 2022 
still working a lot, still, um, you know, optimistic because Katie didn't break her leg till March. And then once you broke her leg in March, like we had to switch everything up. And like the kids usually went to school three days a week and I had to go five days a week. And then like, I had to like take care of them at night. Cause like Katie couldn't even like walk. She right. had to like have like a little tiny little scooter and crutches. And so um, like, we got to like 10 days before the race and she went and our plan all along was like, yeah, you'll be able to walk. You'll be able to take care of the kids. And she still was like, there, like the, her, her tendons in her ankle had a really bad tear. And so even though the bone had healed at the, by that point, she still just couldn't walk. She could like, she was crutching around and like, you know, our, our, um, with two kids months, under four years old. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I had a husband a who's, who's running I was like, 250 take this miles. Leash for our 14 month old. Who's like, who's a maniac. She like walks everywhere, runs everywhere, you know, eats, eats dog poop or whatever, like keep her on this leash. And she was like, no, I'm not going to keep her on the leash. But I mean, it was like very, like, all the adversity just kept on stacking up, stacking up. And, um, you know, yeah. eventually it was kind of like Katie, uh, you know, used some expletives of like, you've got to be kidding me. They announced, announced the bib numbers and our, my bib number was 13. 13. <laughs> and she was like, so freaking fitting Jamil. Like, you know, it's you know, funny. I had, uh, I had Walmsy on the podcast and Walmsy was talking about how in cycling, if you take, Bib number 13, they always turn it upside down and put it on their, right. on their jerseys. So yep. maybe you should have done that. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, maybe we should start talking about the race and the course and stuff, but clearly it was, uh, you're going into it without proper preparation, but you know, you've got like this military background, you've got this engineering brain, you're a tough mofo and a problem solver. So you had all the tools that you needed, even if you were underprepared and they brought you to the finish line. And, uh, I want you to talk more about the, the mental aspect in a sec, but maybe let's talk about the course. And what I'll do is share my screen here and we can take a look at it with the viewers. So this is string bean, Joe McConaughey's Strava. Cause Dom didn't put his, Cocodona on a Strava account. So I had to go I'm fishing st- for string beans. So yeah, we'll do soon. I had some issues with, uh, I went to a hotel in the middle of the race. I need to clean up some data, but yeah. So if you, if you look at the course, um, <laughs> went to a hotel in the middle of a race, <laughs> I mean, I freaking needed it. I was like falling asleep walking. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, the first half of the race was augmented because of a fire South of Prescott. Um, usually you run from, Black Canyon city, um, which is closer to Phoenix. And then you come up in the Prescott. Um, instead we did a out and back to skull Valley and then through, um, Prescott Valley and up to Jerome. And so what happened was less climbing in the first half of the race, but there was more, um, high altitude running, I guess, you know, between five and 7,000, um, for most of the first half. Um, and that's one of the things to note is like, this is like up on the Coconino, plateau and up on Prescott plateau or whatever. Um, and, and so you don't go like, you're not like right at sea level, like some other 200s, like Bigfoot that might have less climbing, but you're running, um, up at altitude. And like you finish like the last hundred uh, miles of the race, you know, above 6,500, um, finishing with a push up to over 9,000 feet. So it's, it's a lot like it's, um, it's more runnable maybe than some other 200s but there's also some really mean parts too. So when you get around Jerome there in the middle, uh, around like mile hundred, um, just tons like rock garden and you're beat up and it's, you know, kind of hot and exposed. Um, Sedona's is pretty nice. Uh, going from, um, 
Cottonwood over to Sedona down there is, is pretty nice, but then you got a, a steep climb up to um, the Coconina Plateau up to what's called Munns Park. Um, and then just like there's more rocks than you realize yeah. um, in Arizona. It's definitely a, a rocky sunburnt um, state. So, so what are like the cruxy parts of the race? Cause I remember in year one, there was a section where everybody ran out of water basically. Where is that here on the elevation profile? And maybe talk about the, that. That would have, that would have been the start for us, but uh, unfortunately um, it got shifted. Um, I think, you know, people probably run out of water in all different parts of the course because there's just, um, there's so there's a lot more exposure. There's not as much tree cover and you don't know when you're going to have a good section or a bad section. Like I ran out of water near the end when I was crossing underneath Flagstaff there on the, um, the rim around Walnut Canyon. So like, there's always just different gotchas and stuff. Um, so this course was definitely faster. It was five miles shorter. Uh, and like around like 10,000 feet less climbing than the original course. Uh, um, but still its own challenge, you know, just inherent with 250 course, miles. So. Yeah, obviously. And you'll notice that Jamil felt compelled to throw in a 2,500 foot climb at mile 240. <laughs> Should be yeah. a criminal offense. I'm sure you were wanting to call the cops on Jamil. Well, at that point. <laughs> I mean, you smell the barn, you just get, you get, I, I got some of those, uh, Timmy Olsen growls deep in my stomach, just like, you know, it, it, it's, um, one of the sections, I think like Jim Walmsey's, you know, PR'd on it. It's like over like, I think like 1200 or 1500 feet a mile going up. Yeah. The backside Mount of Mount Eldon. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, hands on knees, um, just like lean into it. So, Madness. but yeah, it's a, it's a proper course. It's a stout course. Um, it probably favors people like me that, run at altitude a little bit more, run in warm climates, warm, run in dry climates, um, are used to, you know, I think thinking tactically about like, I had to spend like a good, like 10 to 15 minutes at every aid station, like figuring out what I really needed for each section. Um, because every section is unique. Like some of them, like you'll be on a downhill, but it's like the worst downhill ever. It's just like a rock garden with, you know, rocks on top of rocks and they're all like, you know, marbles on concrete. So, yeah. So uh, talk about that more. Like what is, what makes a 200 miler, a 250 miler different from a basic hundred miler and talk about the logistics about how you and Katie planned the aid station transitions and her travel across the course and things like that. Um, you know, I tried to comfort her that it wasn't going to be like a sprint, you know, at every aid station, like a normal hundred, you'll kind of like try to like minimize, you know, aid station with more than five minutes at a hundred, you're like, Oh, you know, I'm losing time. Um, so this was more like, again, an aid station, my stomach would be wrecked. and I have to just like sit and eat. Um, and then I was eating, I kind of just, you know, barked out orders. like, put that in my pack, take that out. I need this, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I got like on a rhythm of like salami and crushed Pringles. I was like, what worked and then like liquid IV in my pack, um, uh, worked pretty well. So, um, and I come to aid station and they, it was like a menu where like each, each time you came in an aid, like if it was breakfast, you got some breakfast items. If it was lunch, dinner, you got some other things. And I just would like eat like a pig, like eat like a full, full meal at some of these aid stations. Um, and then walk out of them kind of like, you know, like a blimp kind of teetering around. Um, but then I get into a rhythm and start shuffling again. And, you know, that was just the goal is like spend as much time 
shuffling at, you know, 12 minutes a mile, 10 minutes a mile. That's like, that's really fast at 250. Yeah. And then, you know, nap at a good time. Um, one really hard thing was like, you know, I, I try to avoid dirt naps because you don't really sleep that well in the dirt. They're kind of just like you're conked out. Um, but you're, you're not like really recovering well. Um, so I tried to like, um, we got like hotels for the kids near some of the aid stations where I predicted where I'd be. And I would sometimes just like go in, take a couple minutes shower, eat some food, lay down for, for an hour and go back out. And, uh, I sent you a, uh, a wonderful uh, summary at it was Wednesday morning at like midnight. It was like 12 a.m. Wednesday morning. And I uh, told you uh, how I had taken like a three hour nap. I was like really messed up. And I woke up and Katie was like, what are you going to wear? And I was like, and she like had, she like realized like, I didn't know where I was or what I was doing. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I was like, for some, some reason I was like, oh, we're, we're taking care of, we're, we're, the fire we're, we're doing a, we're firefighting firefight. <laughs> and she's like no no what are you doing it's like the, the festival there's a festival and we're out there we're out there in the mountains for the fest and she was like what are you doing and i was like let me look at my phone i like, opened up my phone like tried to like look at, and she was like you don't even know you have no clue what you're doing like and she was like it's like a 20 minute interrogation of like i was like just tell me like katie just tell me like what what, what is it? And I couldn't like come up with the word race. I just couldn't. And finally she, it was like, I finally put it all together and I was like, I'm doing the race. I'm wow. doing the race. And she's like, well, what are you going to wear? Cause it was like nighttime. It was going to get cold. And I was like, maybe a jacket. And I, I couldn't even like, <laughs> you should have like, worn that different. new balance speed suit, man. That would have I know, been simplified. <laughs> um, but man, I just, I was like out, I was like awake, but I was dreaming that I was a firefighter. Like I couldn't, figure it out it was just See, totally fumbling is... in the dark and eventually i got it going together i had like a red bull i like felt i felt like man this is like you know it's not red bull gives you wings red bull, red bull gives you like who the hell you are and like when yeah. you're lost and out of your mind like 200 mile race like i if i had that red bull i would have still just been stumbling around in the dark because she was that's what she was afraid of is like is he going to like I don't know what, like walk off into the distance. Right, yeah. Like, She's like, this is the father of my kids. He doesn't even know who he is or where he is. Should I allow him to leave this hotel room type thing? And I was really annoyed. I was like, afterwards, like you should record him. She's like, I was scared. I thought you were out of your mind. <laughs> we needed the like, content, babe. Come on. Yeah. This would have been a sweet reel for Instagram. <laughs> um, amazing. So, I mean, maybe uh, you've sort of touched on some of the strategy and how because 200 milers are so new, there's not really a consensus about how to go about executing a race like this. I'm sure it's the type of thing where, because it was your first time that when you finished, there's a million things you could identify where you could shave handfuls of hours off of it. What are some of those learnings that came about as a result? Um, you know, I, I think like you have to train with a lot more patience for yourself. Like in training, I'd be like, you know, if I had like kind of a bad long run and maybe like I, I just was, I, I hiked a little bit more than I ran, I'd be like, oh, I ran like, you know, 12 minute average pace, but I had some decent climbing. I feel like good about it. And it was like, no, but like a good training run would have been like having, you know, a decent meal before and like working my stomach, you know, pushing it and, and getting used to like eating and running better. Yeah. Um, because like this, the sheer amount of like sugar content and gels and you know, normal energy products, they just aren't 
practical. So, you know, savory things just work better in, in long trail stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think like um, understanding just how bad this, if the field would splinter apart. Um, you know, there was like a lot more people that were a little bit fitter than me at the start. And I was running a little bit further back, but just having that confidence that like, if I did, if I executed well, I was going to keep moving up and, um, you know, very good runners were going to blow up and I, and I had, you know, opportunities. And so I was kind of, after it all was said and done, I was like, "Ah, you know, I could have executed a lot better in the last hundred miles and, and made up a lot of time, but I had a little bit too much pity for myself. And I had a hard time at some points snapping out of that, um, that pity party. Um, it's funny. I like, I like two playlists. I was looking forward to listening to like cowboy music, like old Western cowboy music and like house music and the cowboy music like depressed me so much. Cause you could just <laughs> feel these like cowboys, like dying of thirst out here on these remote trails in Arizona. And I'm like, I am that cowboy. I am just so desperate for water at this segment and, and I'm going to die out here. I'm going to become a, a skeleton on the side of the trail. And so uh, just like the like freaking optimistic poppy house music, like was, was pretty good at keeping me, you know, dialed in and, um, and yeah, and just like, I mean, it's hard to think when you're late in a race, but when you've done a lot of homework, which was great about Cocodona they have a lot of um, just videos everywhere. Like Jamil makes like tons and yeah. tons of videos and other people um, that did the race last year made tons of videos and sort of just learning stuff. Um, you got to be more of a student in 200s because there's no amount of talent that just really works out. Like, you know, there are, so, there were some really talented people that I was amazed a, at how badly they It's a toughness and an intellectual competition, not necessarily a talent and performance competition, isn't it? I, I mean, like Eric Sensman freaking, you know, won JFK in like low six, you know, a matter of year, a couple of years ago. And then he was out there behind me, just like dragging. I was making dad jokes and we were having fun, but like, I was surprised. I was legitimately surprised. I mean, we had like a moment, like a kindred moment where I was like, Eric, this, this race makes no sense, but you do your senseman. And I was like, no, man, <laughs> the fact that you're in this race, you're at Eric nonsenseman now. Yeah. Yeah. This classic Dominic joke there. So I mean, I had finished, some good dad jokes. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You're famous for that. You finished yeah. in 85 hours. Like, was there, it, it seems like it would be a spiritual experience. Like, did you discover the meaning of life or did you find your place in the universe? Are there any like profound realizations while you were out there? Oh, oh yeah. And and, you know, I really, um, I really felt like we had a lot of crutches through the pandemic, um, that we kind of used to just keep going. And when we needed to all train the most, we didn't have it. We didn't have races in 2020 really that much. Um, and I kind of, I think had this feeling of like, how important is all training? Like, you know, I have kids now I have, I have other responsibilities, you know, there's so much pain and suffering in the world. Um, how important is ultra running? And I came to realize like, you know, ultra running is an amazing vehicle to keep your head up because, you know, you just watch people get old and crotchety. I mean, I like legit complain to Katie because, you know, we have some um, retired people in our town. I'm like, these are like not good people. Like they have been ground down. They're like bitter. They're miserable. They have you know bad attitudes or whatever. There's, there's some very nice people too. I really, really like our town we live in. But there are some people like they get old and they lose their like hope and their their sense of like wonder for life, and uh, they're not interested in contributing. They're not, you know, they're not um, 
they're just not really. They don't have life. something. It's so fascinating, Dom, because I was having a conversation with my brother about this too, who you'll know is my sort of spiritual consultant. He's a shaman. He's a shaman. And he yeah. was saying something similar of just like how important it is to have interests in life. And that when you don't have a community yeah. or just like something you're interested in, like if you let those things go, a part of you kind of dies. And it's so important to just keep the fabric of personal interest you know, throughout the course of your, your life. And, you know, it evolves and I'm sure there'll be a period in our lives when ultra running's not like that thing. Maybe it's golf or playing the piano or something like that, but just how important it is to just be interested in stuff. And I mean, there's a I'm lot really of people who don't have it. It's such a simple thing, but anyway. I'm really looking forward to the day. It's uh, Shaq and Charles Barkley uh, do a you and me on ESPN. I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Um, so, I mean... I think that's the thing is like, I, I got, I learned from the race that like, it doesn't all train doesn't have to be conquering. It doesn't have to be, you know, look at me. I'm so special. It, it can just be like spiritually finding a reason to live and find a reason to, to continue on and feel gratitude for what you do have in life. I mean, like when you're on that trail for that long, like you come in and you see like a freaking fast food restaurant and you're like a luxury, like <laughs> I could buy you know, half the menu for 20 bucks, like <laughs> awesome, like luxury. And you just you become so much more grateful. And that's one of like the, the big problems I think we have in monster size. We just become ungrateful because, you know, my Uber Eats took 30 minutes to get here or whatever. And it's like, you don't even have to put pants on. You don't have to put, <laughs> like, what are you doing? What are you complaining about? Thank, you know, this so. is such good perspective for me because I've been quite stressed and flustered recently so you're hey, helping man. me to find the gratitude there's so, a rumor june signups open if you're in oh god no not for me not yet eventually i might graduate to the 250 but not in the near future but i think you've got the stokeness this is the only thing i'd say just i'm gonna give you one pitch is that there are people that mentally i don't recommend they do it i'm yeah. just like it's gonna just be it's gonna like destroy you and you're not gonna get much out of it i think you are someone with such mental fortitude and depth, it would probably add a lot, but see, when you're I don't ready, see myself as being like mentally tough. Maybe I, I need that dad strength, which is a good segue because we got to keep the convo going. Cause I do have to go at one o'clock. So let's talk about things that we're grateful for. Right. Big yeah. news in the Bowman household. We revealed last week on Instagram though. You of course knew long ago that Harmony and I are, expecting a child in August. You're a father of two. You've been giving me lots of good uh, fatherly advice. And I think this fits into the category of things that you probably drew energy from your gratitude for your family and your children. So talk about uh, being a dad, of course, Lindy's four, Goldie's, or Lindy's three, Goldie's one. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk about uh, what fatherhood's brought into your life. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's a spectrum, right? And on one side, it's like parenthood is like 10% of your life because, you know, you're just, you have anxiety about it or you have other responsibilities and you spend less time as a parent and, you know, have good daycare or whatever. And the other aspect is like parenthood's like 90% of your life. And then, you know, there's somewhere in between and you move, you know, depending on how things are going, you move back and forth across it. And, um, you know, you have to be really honest with yourself about what you're happy with 
what you're not happy with. If you're spending like all your time with your kid, but you're unhappy, you're not being a good parent for them. Um, and so you should probably ease back a little bit. And then, you know, on the flip side, if you're spending like almost no time with them, you might want to like, just find ways to like engage, um, make the most of your time with them. Um, that's just my like, you know, preachy voice. Oh, that's um, kind of a brilliant, simple framework of just like, if you're spending all day with your kids, but you're resent it, then you're probably not putting out the energy that they're going to respond to, or they're not going to appreciate your presence. That's kind of what you're getting at, huh? Exactly. And that's the only like law that I really follow. The two things is try to spend time as, as much as you can, but be happy around your kid. And if you can't spend time and be happy around them, then, you know, fig- make adjustments. And, Get yourself and some alone time and then plug yourself back in when you're feeling happy. Exactly. <laughs> to exactly. what extent do Goldie and Lindy understand what you do? And is there a part of you when you're doing Coca Dona that you like want to set a good example for them? Um, you know, they're relatively pretty young. Like I don't remember much stuff from when I was three years old. Right. Uh, definitely don't remember anything from when I was one year old. We take a lot of pictures and we talk about the pictures. Um, so we kind of like we have conversation and we and I try to like document a lot of stuff on you know, our Instagram pages and stuff just for like a highlight reel because. I mean, like I, I legit go back and look through my Instagram when I'm down and I'm like, Oh, that was an awesome day. That was, Oh, I loved it when they did that. Oh, that was so good when Lindy skied on her own, you know? And, um, and so they kind of get it and we kind of talk about just like life lessons and stuff. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm intending to keep running for, you know, another only 35. So I've got another good 15 years of kicking people's butt younger than me. So, um, and maybe beyond that, if I've, if I'm, we'll find out how my, how good my genes are. Um, but, um, you know, I keep doing it and keep engaging with them and they really love crossing the finish line with me. They really love helping me at aid stations and talking with me. And, and sometimes like, I mean, there's a part of time at Coca Dona where I was like 220 miles in and Lindy really wanted to go to the bathroom. There was like a big red porta potty. She really wanted to go to it. I was like, fine, I'm just going to take time out of my race to take you to the porta potty. Cause Katie was taking care of my pack. And I was like, and I mean, that's the thing is like trying to keep it as positive of an experience for them as possible. They definitely cry. They definitely get upset. Um, you know, parents force their kids to do all sorts of things like, you know, wear sailor costumes or, you know, brush their teeth when they want to brush their teeth and wash their, wash their hands. And so this is another form of forcing them to do things, but um, trying to keep it as positive as possible. And, um, and then we had like a big um, carrot at the end that we were going to go to Las Vegas which um, three-year-olds love Vegas, even though they can't gamble or drink. Um, <laughs> so do 35-year-olds, like, I'm sure. Oh, uh, 35-year-olds <laughs> love freaking you know, rich, big burgers with all the, the fixings. Sitting and by the pool, smashing a few frosty cold ones. Oh, yeah. It was, and they, we had like the best time ever. I went to Mandalay uh, Bay and they were just like having a blast. And, and you know, like just like trying to make it like a vacation that's mostly... Katie was stressed out a lot of it. Um, and I definitely tried to like accommodate her as much as I could and take over once I was done. Um, but you know, it was like just trying to like make it a positive thing. And so I think as much, as long as we do that, then we're really happy as a family, um, with running and running's not something taken away from our, our group dynamics. Yeah. Love it, man. Well, I'm going to be expecting a lot of fatherly advice as Harmony and I move into this next chapter of being parents. Do you have any names yet? 
uh, a couple. We can talk about it offline, but nothing that I feel comfortable revealing publicly quite yet. So, but we're very excited. Only guidance I give is like, don't give a name that's hard to smile when you say it. Like Lindy and Goldie. Goldie. They're like, you smile naturally. There's a positive inflection. Like McClintock. Like McClintock is a terrible name. (laughs) I've seen that kid's name that I'm like, how does, what does the kid feel when they're like, hey, McClintock. Like, Come on. Uh, I kind of like that name actually. But yeah, your your daughters are just beautiful, beautiful human beings and they've got fantastic names and they've got good genes from fantastic parents too. So well awesome. So, you know, we'd only we only have about 10 minutes left. So let's move on to the final topic of conversation, that being this provocative tweet from Eric Schranz at Ultrunner Podcast last week. Shout out to Eric Schranz. I don't know if he necessarily thought he was gonna be starting an internet brush fire when he posted this, but I'll just go ahead and read it for people who are going to be listening to it. Effectively, what he asks is, two-part question. Does it feel like the spark of ultra running is not as bright as it was 10 years ago, not as interesting and or dynamic? And part two, what was slash is that spark? Was it the relative newness of the sport? Was it the character's in parentheses, Anton, Ellie, etc. Was it something else? Question mark. Dominic, you and I have been in the sport, uh, you know, through the period that Eric is referencing here. We've obviously carried that through and our love, I don't think is dimmed much since that era that he's referencing. So maybe uh, you get us started on this subject. Any top line takeaways from the Eric Schranz tweet about whether or not the spark is dead in trail running? Yeah, and I, I'd say um, the professionalism has increased significantly. So, like, you know, when you look at, like, track and field, for example, if you're a fan of that, you know, most of the track and field athletes are relatively pretty professional. They aren't that goofy. They don't take risk. They don't um, have so much bravado. There's, like, a handful of people. And, you know, like, I'll think of, like, Woody Kincaid or um, the guy with the mustache and the mullet, uh, Craig Ingalls. Yep. Um, I'll think of them as, like, very inspiring runners. But they're also like, if you try to follow in their footsteps, they're very like destructive. <laughs> like they, they take risk, they, they get injured. Um, and so I think ultra is a sport that we've learned much more so is that it really punishes you when you make mistakes and you get too high in your own supply. Um, and so is it fun to watch people take risk? Yeah, it's a blast. Like Walmsley is very exciting to watch take risk because, you know, he's either going to like knock it way out of the park or he's going to blow up spectacularly. Um, And I feel really bad for Walmsley, how hard he suffered, you know, his early Western States years is when he blew up and, you know, he definitely saw that in in his, in his PR, you know, 1429, I think he kind of eased off the gas a little bit at the end, you know, it's such a huge lead, but he like, he was close to 14 hours and eased off because he was just a little bit more mature and realized like, you know, any, any mistake could, you know, end his race. So, um, yeah, we've become more professional in ultra running. Um, there are young people that are taking more risk, but that shouldn't take away from the magic of like just how hard a race is. And I think that's something that, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, you have to look to yourself and to decide that you still are relevant and special and that you all of your accomplishments still matter and that um, you're proud of your running. And if, you, if you're not, I mean, go off and, you know, do something freaking hard, you know, go the JMT or a 200, 200 mile race, or just do something that's really meaningful to you to inspiring because, um, you know, you're people, like they say, you know, people that have been hurt 
they hurt and people that are, have been loved, they love. And, um, I know like Eric went through a tough, you know, um, COVID period, um, with his kids staying home and he struggled with a lot of, you know, the, the, the just experience. And, um, and I'm hoping Eric gets back there out there on the trail more and gets into more races and gets a sparking. Cause like, I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this feeling you, you have like some music you hear one time, you don't really care for it, but then you hear it after a run and you're like, this song slaps. <laughs> and that's, that's what running does. It like it enhances life. Yeah. And, uh, but what about I, like, what about the feeling in the sport? Like, I think that's what he's getting at is like, is the spark, like the special sauce dead. And I, there's another, I think, interesting comment in this Twitter thread and maybe somebody resourceful, I could probably put this link in the, YouTube chat, but this one from Terry Miller, he said, back then we had Killian plus Tony doing crazy mountain runs with a gel in their pocket and a pair of split shorts born to run and unbreakable showed things people didn't know was possible. Now everyone's seen it all. If not done it, the same stuff, 10 minutes faster in Hoka's isn't interesting. (laughs) I mean, I, 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 for me, obviously like you and I, I think disagree with this, but I think there's some, there's interesting stuff to explore because like, yeah, that era was a special time, wasn't it? The unbreakable era with Tony, it's like living in a it, truck. I mean, you and I personally came up like so incredibly profoundly touched and inspired by like Tony's blog and like his personality, his writing, that lifestyle. And there was, was a special romantic. spark, right? But doing, yeah. doing it a little bit faster with Hoka's is it, does that make it uninteresting? Um, you know, I think that um, one of the things that Walmsley set the tone for, and, and Walmsley was really, you know, following other great track runners, the more time you spend on social media and writing blog posts and doing, taking pictures on runs, whatever, less time you're training, less time you're recovering. And, um, yeah. you know, just because they're not like giving you all of the like romantic cuts of their life, um, you know, doesn't mean make it what they do anything less special. Um, I relate to people just, you know, in engineering, we're always trying to do like the next best thing with the next greatest technology. We're trying to pull in every, every, uh, you know, tool that we have. And I respect these runners that have the best technology in the world, like the most best pr- prototypes and stuff. You know, I still get prototypes from New Balance. I'm really excited about, really proud of. And yeah. I just hope that, um, you know, for those old crotchy people, I understand like, is it, does a spark appear dead to them? Yeah. But to, like our runners incredibly motivated and inspired to like, go after Walmsley's 1429. Yeah, they are. There, there, there is an army of runners getting ready for Western States that are talented enough to do it. And maybe they don't have all experience, but they're going to do the same, you know, progression through the sport of learning things that Walmsley had to learn and, and trying to improve upon them. And uh, I mean, I think it's, you know, ask me like when I was in the doldrums of winter and struggling with stuff, like, yeah, might be a little crotchety about ultra running. I have been crotchety about ultra running, yeah. but it has to be like now when I'm happy where I am and I'm, and I realize all the goodness that people are putting in, like all the energy people are putting into ultra running. I think it's an amazing sport. Yeah. Yeah. And Scotty Coomer, who's the host of 10 junk miles, a guy who I really like and whose show I think is awesome. He kind of agreed with Eric's sentiment. He said, I think it's less sparky. It feels more commodified, more commercialized. I feel like people are trying to be interesting rather than just interesting people doing interesting things. So he sort of agreed with with Eric's assessment. And I think this is a criticism that a lot of people have with the sport as it professionalizes, to use your word, that it's becoming more commercialized, right? It's becoming more commodified rather than being like, 
Anton Krupichka rolling out of his truck and putting on minimal footwear, taking off his shirt and like, you know, exhibiting ultimate freedom in the universe. But it's a bummer that the, the, the crop top replaced the shirtless runner. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, uh, Scotty. I know it's, it's not as exciting (laughs) to watch a crop top as a topless runner. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, like I can see where these guys are coming from, but to me, it's such an exciting time and we have, you know, Killian's still in the sport and Anton's still in the sport to, you know, a lesser degree than he was back in those days, but he's still an icon. And now our Mount Rushmore of Killian and Francois and Courtney and Jim, it's like four of the most admirable, impressive athletes across any sporting discipline are all in ultra running. And yeah, there's some things that you can criticize about the sport, but I feel the the spark is still alive, still alive. <laughs> and I, and I, I tell you, I cannot wait to see you cross your first finish line with your kid in your arms. I mean, it's going to be just the spark, the spark, man. I, I love it so much. And I think uh, you're going to be an awesome stoke daddy, you know? Thanks, Dom. Any closing comments for us as people go into the long Memorial Day weekend? Yeah. I mean, uh, there is amazing amount of content out there. Um, you know, go out there and, and listen to it on your runs, listen to your free trail podcast, um, get stoked. And like, just remember like what a gift it is. You know, we, we, we've gone through a lot of years with fire damage and Cocodona got rerouted because of fires. I mean, uh, be, be super grateful for if you've got a race on the calendar that you've got it, you know, um, we're going to go through a lot of changes, more growth in the sport, you know, more, impacts of, of global warming and, and everything and, and fire suppression. It's going to be tough, but, um, you know, just be freaking grateful for a beautiful day and go out and get stoked. Yeah. I know I always get stoked when I put on a free trail podcast. So my man, thanks for the plug. (laughs) Well, bro, always fun to chit chat with you. Sorry. It had to be a little abbreviated due to the technical difficulties, but big hug to you. Big love. Congratulations on Cocodona. Give hugs to the girls and uh, let's chat again soon. Definitely do it again soon. And much love to the women in your life, Deb and Harmony and yes. take care of them. Amazing. To our viewing audience, go get your picks in for Coca Donut. It's going to be a big, oh, important race. Zagama. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Thank you, Dom. First Zagama. Fantasy.freetrail.com. Start looking ahead towards Broken Arrow and Western States. We're going to have some really fun prizes and stuff attached to all those races. So come play with us. For now, have an awesome Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Keep the spark alive. Peace out.